Freedom, as we've described over the past number of weeks, really seems to be wrapped up in today's message. Because I really can't be free to be myself as God has intended to me to be until I'm free from the point of the beginning of my life. I have to have all of it. And then it wraps up today, and all of that being said, I'm free to be me. You're not me, and I'm not you. This church is this church. This church isn't a church across the street. It's not the church across the country. It's, this is this church. And as we're free from the bondages of what we've just talked about for the weeks past, and when we understand what that freedom is, and as we walk in that freedom, we are free to be who God wants us to be. We live in a world that has two major competing forces. One is good and one is evil. And there's always that voice going. There's always that battle going. The one on my shoulder that's telling me to be good and the one on the other shoulder telling me to be bad. And I'm constantly choosing between one of the two. There's a constant battle going on. My choice is to be the one that I want to be. I can be the good one or I can be the bad one. It's my choice. And so, but, but as we've just learned about the freedoms of bondages and the freedoms to live as, as close to Christ as we can, then we're free to be the godly man and the godly woman that Christ wants us to be. So what does this mean to be free? What does it mean to be free to be me? Do we ever recognize, um, you know, Aunt Jerry, you were so right on this morning with what you said because I am. I am that I am is so appropriate for this message today because God is saying, I am. And do you know what? That we also say, I am. It's talked about in Psalms 91, I am your servant. I am your servant. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love that I would know your testimonies. Teach me your statutes. And then it says, I am your servant. When I recognize that I am Mike. I have the authority over Mike. You don't. Actually, God doesn't. I do. Because my choices trump. I know it's a hard word, isn't it? It's hard to imagine that. But God gave us choices. He, wouldn't, he, can't, he can't give us choices and then take them away from us. He gave us the choice. So my choice to either live a godly life or not live a godly life is up to me. God doesn't send me to hell if I choose to do bad things. I willingly go myself because it's my choices. So we can't blame anybody for that. So I am the I am of Mike. Just like God is the I am, he is the provider, he is everything for us, it doesn't do any good unless I receive it as that. I have to give him the freedom to be that to me because I am the I am of Mike and I have to make those choices. And when we do that, we recognize who we are. I have a couple of examples that I would like to show. This is an example of who we can be. A snapping turtle. Now, what in the world does a snapping turtle have to do with living a Christian life? But look at that turtle right there. Would you mess with that? 
would you mess with a snapping turtle? Now, here's a question I have for you. Besides the obvious, now we know that that snapping turtle has got a very strong bite, and it's very fast, and that neck extends a long ways out, and it can come out really quick with a really strong bite, and it can crush your hand. Okay, I know that. You know that. But how does he know that? What gave that snapping turtle the wisdom, the knowledge, that it is a force to be reckoned with? How does that snapping turtle know that his defense is his jaws and his strength of his, of his bite? Whereas the next slide is a painted turtle. They're both turtles. They both have four legs, a shell. They both breathe air and swim. They both operate the same way. But that turtle's defensive mechanism is that. It goes back in its shell. If that turtle the painted turtle, tried to pretend it was a snapping turtle, its bite doesn't bite hard. Have you been bitten by a painted turtle? Has anybody been bitten by a painted turtle? They don't really hurt, do they? But it knows that it can't react like the previous picture because if that turtle reacted like the previous picture, like the snapping turtle, it would be killed very quickly because it doesn't have the power in its jaws. So how does it know? How does it know that that one has to defend itself that way and not the other way? You know, have you seen the commercial on TV about the, um, I don't know, what, the, what are they selling? It's a rattlesnake. And it's, um, there's a jackrabbit. It's in the desert. And the jackrabbit runs up and he sees that rattlesnake and he hears the rattle and he sees the rattlesnake and the immediate reaction of the jackrabbit is scared because a rattlesnake kills and eats jackrabbits. But all of a sudden, the jackrabbit looks at the tail of that snake and sees instead of it's a rattle, it's a baby rattle. You know, a little pink baby rattle. And he sees that the, that the snake doesn't really have the rattle of his rattlesnake, and he starts to laugh, and he, you know, he laughs, and the snake's embarrassed and the whole deal. But you know what's amazing here? Is that that snake doesn't realize that its strength is not in its rattle. Its strength is in its bite. And that rabbit was stupid because that snake could have bit that rabbit. Who cares what's in its rattle? That was, in fact, that's a great decoy. Give the rattlesnake a baby rattle. Let the, let the rabbits be not afraid of it. But the bite is what's, what gives the, the, the strength of the snake. We as Christians don't understand the strength that we have through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're intimidated and we run and we don't realize how strong we are. We don't realize the power that we have being joint heirs with Christ. As we, as we talked about coming into his presence this morning, if we could understand and grasp the concept of coming into heaven and really understanding what the throne room of heavens are like, the cherubims and the angels and, and, and all the, the, the elders circling around and, and, and flying around the throne room of heaven, crying, holy, 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 forever and ever and ever and the power and the majesty of heaven and the fact that Jesus is sitting in the right hand who has lived and died for us and has, and, has, and has gone up to heaven interceding for us and the power that's there. And we so flippantly walk in and out of that presence. We don't recognize the authority that we have. And then we wonder why we struggle. That doesn't mean that we're all going to be rich. 
It doesn't mean we're all not going to have sickness, but what it means is we struggle in our emotions. We struggle in the fact that we think everything about us is about the next 10, 20, 30 years, and we forget the target. We forget what Scott talked about, about saying, well done, thou good and faithful. Well done. We work and we need to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit that we so often just neglect it. And we act like the painted turtle, when in reality we're a snapping turtle. And if we recognize the power of our bite. See, the enemy is all bark. The enemy doesn't have a bite. It was destroyed at, it was destroyed at the cross. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. And the enemy's sting was taken out because death, where is thy sting? Where is it? It's gone. We have no strength. He has no strength over us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ through the power of the cross. And we live like a painted turtle. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If we're free to be me, let's talk about who me is. Who am I? Who am I? I'm created in God's image. Think of that. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Boy, that's enough right there. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. We are made like God. We are not many gods. And I'm not going there. This is not a New Age movement to say we're all going to grow up and be God. We're, not good. we're never going to be God. But we're created like God with His image and his, and his power that He has as He flows through us, as we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. That is what we have as a Pentecostal denominational church, is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, not just the language, but the power. You hear me? The power. That's a whole other topic for a whole other day, but we forget the power. We forget it way too much. We were made in God's image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And when he did that, he created a place, a special place in each one of us that has a specially designed vacuum that only God can fill. There is, a one, there, is, there is something inside of me that only God can fill, but yet we try to fill it with so many other things. We try to fill it with the pleasures of this world. We try to ple- fill it with our vacations, with our, with our, with our, 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 our work, our, our, our habits, whatever it is, whatever vice you have, it's probably, if you're frustrated in that, it's probably because you're trying to fill something in your heart that, wasn't, that, that isn't designed to fit. It's like putting a round peg in a square hole. There's a vacuum-shaped, a God-vacuum-shaped area in my heart because I'm created in the image of God. I'm created just like He's created. I'm sorry, He's not created. He's created, I'm created just like He is. And there is that area in my life that He created for Him to fill. And when I recognize that, now I go into His presence expecting that area to be filled And many times we're filling it with the wrong things. Let's continue about what man is. Man has fallen. We need to understand that. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to start at the very beginning. 
We are sinful people as we come out of the womb. Not because I've done anything bad, but because Adam and Eve did. And I have to, and I have, I, I have to deal with the fall. So I do that only through being forgiven from the sin that was in the world and through Jesus Christ. And I receive him as my Savior. And then when I do that, then I am set free from condemnation and sin and death, giving us freedom to live without the guilt of the past sins and bondages that we deserve. And we have to, so many times we, we forget that too. We forget the fact that we are free from that and that we are a new man, that we are free from the bondages of sin and death. Romans 8, verses 1 through 2 says that, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And then we become an heir of God, our Heavenly Father, and we become a, we become a brother of Christ with the full rights of heaven's best. Romans, continue reading down, Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Do you understand that? Do you really understand when you can say that I'm a brother of Christ? Holy Spirit, give us that, that, uh, that understanding. Just give us that unction within us when we can understand that we really, we really are a brother of Christ and that we are, we are deserving of heaven's best because of that. And then continuing in Romans 8:37 through 39, we are more than conquerors through Christ in this life. No, it says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what's interesting about this? Again, there is nothing in this world that can take me out of God's hand. Nothing. I am saved. I am, I am, in, I am uh, redeemed. My name is written in the book of life. I am heaven bound. There is nothing. Nothing can happen to me. Nothing can come in my life that can take that away from me. Do you understand that? The only thing that can is you. There's a lot of people that believe and, and that, that even, um, even you can't take yourself out of it. I, I don't read that in the Bible. I don't read that anywhere. If I make a bad choice, if I choose to walk away from it, I will fall away. But there's nothing that can take me away from there. There's no power on earth. There's nothing that can destroy my faith besides me. So I have to live free to be me. And with all that is said, I can do that. We can live a free life. We can live a Christian life. It's not hard. We make it too difficult so many times. And then finally, we are destined to be ruler of angels. 1 Corinthians 6.3, do you not know that we will judge angels? Wow. Do you not know that we will judge angels? We are created higher than the angels, even though to right now we are lower than the angels because the angels are given power that we don't have. But come future time, come heaven time, when we go up to the new heavens and the new earth, we will be then made higher than the angels and we will rule angels. Do you understand? I say all this 
so that we can understand the significance of who we are. Who we are, who I am. I'm a snapping turtle. I am not a painted turtle. I do not live, live my life cowered up in my shell. I am a snapping turtle, and I am vicious, and I am, I am a threat to the enemy when I recognize who I am. So what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the things that take this power away from us? So many times we minimize who we see we are and who someone else is. In other words, I look at other people, and I see that other person over there that's got it all together. They just have it all figured out. Their life is running smooth. Their marriage is good. Their business is good. Um, they look good. They dress well. And I'm looking over them, and I'm thinking, man, those people really have it put together over there. And, I, and I'm over here in my problems, and I'm really struggling over here. And, and I'm in this little pity party thing over here because I'm watching, I'm putting my eyes on somebody else. In all this period of time, I have really no idea what that person's going through. That person may be just as much turmoil as I am. They just look better. And they may be looking, in fact, they may be looking at me thinking the same thing about me. They may think, well, that guy's got it all together, and, and he may be in turmoil. Here's the point. Stop looking at other people. Stop looking at what other people are around you and focus on yourself. Focus on who Jesus Christ is for me and my situation and learn to accept him for what he is and don't worry about the other person. I don't have to be worried about the other person's tests or the other person's triumphs because that's not my problem. That doesn't mean I don't love them. That doesn't mean I don't go and help them. I am my brother's keeper. I am supposed to pray for them. I am supposed to be concerned about them. But I'm not supposed to become infatuated with them where they take over my, who I am or what they think of me. I am who Christ set me to be. And I need to understand that when I can understand that and walk and live in that power, then what other people are doing around me doesn't make any difference to me. And I shouldn't look at it that way. John 21, verses 18 through 22, Jesus is talking to Peter. Now, this is after the resurrection, and Jesus has made himself known to the disciples. In fact, Jesus and, 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 uh, has come back, and he's reinstated Peter. This is after the, the point in time where, where Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Care for me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times Jesus asked Peter. And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. So they're reinstated. So Peter and Jesus are back on good terms, right? They're back on the same page now, and they're good buds again. And, and, and Peter knows that he's been forgiven. And now he can walk the, the life that Peter needs to walk. But then he goes right into the next passage, and this is what he says. Read um, with me. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were, this is Jesus talking to Peter, when I, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Okay, now let's just see a second here. Peter just was being told by Jesus how he's going to die. Basically, what this is saying is, Peter, you're going to be crucified. Somebody's going to come and dress you. They're going to hold your arms out for you. And that's the kind of death you're going to have. So this is not really good news for Peter. Okay? This is not the thing that Peter really wanted to hear, I don't think. I, I don't think I, he just saw Jesus crucified. Do you think he'd want to be crucified? So I think Peter was a little bit, a little bit nervous about this. So then Peter goes on and, 
it goes on to say, and it says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? It was that disciple. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You, Peter, must follow me. Jesus is not being cynical. He's not being rude. He's not being mean to Peter to say, Peter, mind your own business. All he's saying is, Peter, you follow me. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about what his life is going to be. Don't worry about his lot in life. Don't worry about the test that he's going to go through. That is not of relevance to you right now. I'm talking about you. And Jesus is talking about me. And he's talking to you. And he's saying, just worry about what you're doing today. There is so much in this world. We're bombarded with information. We're bombarded with the Internet and with the world news. We see what's happening all over the world. And I'm not to say we shouldn't be concerned about people around the world. We should pray for them and we should hold them up and we should lift them up like our brothers. But don't take on the burden that you can't handle. Let God handle that. You just worry about you being you and me being me. And I then must follow Jesus. Just like he said, Peter, you just follow me. That's all you've got to worry about. And when you follow me, when you do the things that you're instructed to do that way, I will give you power, and I will give you power through the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't long after that that the day of Pentecost came, and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and Peter preached to many, and he, and he, he, he healed many, and he saved many, because Peter was following Christ. Our example. Another pitfall that happens to us from us being free to be me is sometimes we think more highly or more lowly than we think we should of ourselves. We need to find that place that Christ wants us to be. We need to be humble yet strong. We need to know that we are the snapping turtle without, without being proud of it. See the difference? We, we have to realize that, that who we are and we need to then understand that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves. Romans 12:3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then skipping down to Romans 12:6-8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith, and so forth. Serving, serve, teaching, teach, encourage him, encourage, and so forth. We're to use the measure of faith that God gives us to do the things that we are instructed to do, to be who I can be, to be what I can be, and don't worry about the other person. You know, this is a personal thing for me because I always I find myself comparing myself to other pastors. I compare this church to other churches. And I shouldn't do that. I have no right to do that. Because when I do that, then I'm not doing what I need to be doing, and that is focusing on Jesus Christ. So when you are examining your life, it doesn't mean that I don't pray for other pastors. It's just that I don't, I don't have to walk these places up here and preach from up here and, and do things here like somebody else did. I can't. I, I can't. If I, if I tried, I'd be a, I'd be a miserable failure. I can't do that. I just have to be who I am. And, and you have to be who you are. And we have to do that with humility, not pride, 
humility because we are only as good as the, as the way the Holy Spirit flows through us. An effective person is one that is so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that it just flows out of them. So that when you walk up to someone, they recognize who you are. Not because you say anything, but because they feel the presence of God about you, all over you. It's like... A, It's like a pregnant woman. They have a glow about them. And you just, you just, they're just beautiful. We have to be so full of the Holy Spirit that we just let him flow through us. So I'm not operating out of my head knowledge. There's a lot of people that are smarter than I am that understand the Bible a lot more than I understand the Bible. And they can, they can expound and preach a lot better than I can preach. And that's fine. I'm really okay with that because I learned from them. But all I want to be is I want the Holy Spirit to flow through me, and I want the Holy Spirit to give, have, the, have the, the, the freedom to flow as the Holy Spirit gives the words to say. And the same thing for your life. How you live, where you live, on your job, wherever you're at, just be free to let the Holy Spirit just flow through you and give you the power that you need to have for the moment that you're in that you are ready to give the word as someone would come to you that needs the word. Not to be who you aren't. Not to put on something you're not. But just to be free. What are my responsibilities? My responsibilities are to accept myself who I am. I'm to forgive myself for my failures. See myself as Christ sees me. I'm to operate in the gifts that God has given me through, uh, given me, and only in those gifts. Don't try to be something I'm not. Be comfortable in who I am. Let God have control of who I am. Be listening always to hear his voice. Be obedient to do as he asks. To live as an extension of his life. Just be myself and allow the love and the fullness of Christ to flow out of me. And I get that through prayer. I get that through spending time with him. I don't get that by ignoring him and then all of a sudden when it's time, I'm ready. I get that. I develop that through a relationship with Jesus. And I get that through time with him. And that's the only way I get it. I don't get it by just living how I want to live and then all of a sudden want to be powerful. I'm good, if, if I'm going to be a snapping turtle, I have to be a snapping turtle all the time. I, I can't be a snapping turtle only when, only when my enemy comes and I have to be mean. No, I have to be a snapping turtle all the time. I have to be a spirit-filled Christian all the time. I can't pick and choose. I can't say I'm going, to, I'm going to pray now and I'm not going to pray now. Or I'm going to live now and I'm not going to live then. I, I have to be consistent. There's no compromise in a full life. And we compromise way too much. And then finally, we have, to, we have to be careful that we never forget the Lord. Deuteronomy, the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 8 is a great chapter talking about how the Israelites, it was very prophetic for the Israelites that they were instructed how to live and how to walk in the power of God and the tests that they went through. Hmm. Do not forget the Lord. Do not forget the power of the Lord. 
He says in verse 6, he says, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That's a prophetic statement. That's a prophetic statement of, what, of where the Israelites were going. You know, and I know that we, can't, we have to be a little careful here, but I think I can take that prophetic statement to be me. And to be, you can take it to be you. Because the Bible is for all time. And as you are living God a holy life, and as you do the things that he wants you to do, he will bring you into a good land. He will bring you where there is milk and honey flowing. He will be your sustenance, as Aunt Jerry said, because when we recognize that, that he is the I am of our situation, he is the I am of my life, then there is nothing that I cannot do through him. There is nothing that I can accomplish through him as we apply that into our lives. But then it says, when we have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build five houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all your, you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He gave us manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You know, he said that twice. He said that he gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known. Why did he say that? Why did he say something your fathers had ever known? Because our life is unique. I am walking through a unique lifestyle. Style, a unique life situation that nobody's walked before. Something my dad never walked through. But yet the Lord gives me manna. He gives me daily sustenance, daily provision, so that I can walk through my life and I can walk through it with his provision. And then when I do, then I walk through it and he will make it well with me in the end when I remember that. And when I understand then that, that he is bringing it, not me, or not, not any physical person is bringing my sustenance to me, it's a humbleness because now I'm totally dependent on God. I can't do it on my own anymore. I never could. I thought I could maybe, but I can't. So when I do that, it is something that, it, that manna from heaven, it's a humbling thing to be prayed for, isn't it? When, so, when you have a need, it's humbling to be prayed for. But that's right where God wants us to be because in my weakness I'm strong if I appreciate and give God the ability to work in my life. When I will accept the manna, the daily provision, when I don't have to worry about next week's provision, I'm talking about today. He said, go out and pick up enough manna for today. And don't store it for tomorrow because if you do, it'll turn to maggots. And it did, didn't it? For those that cheated... For those that went out to try to get a leg up on the competition, it cheated. I mean, it, it turned to maggots. So he says, no, no, I will give you your day's sustenance. And he tells me the same thing. I will give you the sustenance and the ability and the power to get through today. If you trust me, if you trust me, I will do that. And he will never leave me unwanting. 
He will never leave me wanting in that because his promises are that way. So we need to understand that the power and the strength that we have that to produce that wealth is from God. So as we close this morning, we've been given a stern warning about how we should never forget God. But more importantly, we've been given us an encouragement to hang in there and being ourselves. That he has given us, he has gifted us, that he will, we will make it through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, it says, Therefore, I love that word therefore because that tells me that there's nothing can change it. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. <laughs> what a promise. What a promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would stand with me. And just reflect a little bit back on your time, on your life, and where you are, where you've been, where you're going. All of the freedoms that we have that we've taken for granted, maybe. We have to all summarize it and wrap it up together here and say that now I have to apply these freedoms and I have to embrace those freedoms and I have to say, Father, I give you freedom now to operate in my life that I will give you the ability to you move in my life. You give me the unction of the Holy Spirit. You speak through me. You you talk through me. You give me the power to heal. You give me the power to, to set free those of my, of, of around me that are in bondage. Lord, I give you the freedom and I give you the ability to operate in my life that way. And when we do that, we're free to be me. We're free to be who God has intended us to be. just feel somebody has something from the Lord to give us. If you have something, give it. Hallelujah. I got good news. Wonderful news. Amazing news. This is a time that we're in right now that was prophesied in Scripture. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Men with men would commit indecent acts. They wouldn't sit still for sound teaching anymore, but they would turn aside to what their itching ears want to hear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Never before would there be a clearer line between what is good and what is evil and what is right and what is true. Turmoils and difficulties and problems would increase. Situations would arise and overwhelm so many. Men's hearts would fail them for fear. 
and calamity would come upon us such as has never happened before in all time. But I got good news. Because finally, 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 the American church will realize that it is not in you. You don't have any way. You don't have any hope. You don't have any chance. There's no way in the world that you can do it on your own. Amen. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. And when you realize that, yes, you realize that with Him you can do all things. Hallelujah. Amen. The greater is he that is in you. The greater is he that is with you. The greater is he that will lead you than he that is in the earth. Amen. It's working. God is raising up a faithful priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Christ's after the Christ. They he suffered. Do you think you were going to get a pass? Do you think the servant is above the master? But with the trial, with the tribulation, with the difficulty, he provides the escape, the way through, the power, all of the power in the heavenly realm, everything that you need is available to you in the storehouses of Christ Jesus, and you can go there in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, at any moment, it's your decision. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This has been the silent church. Where? Where is that in Scripture? You are my witnesses, chosen to know me and tell. For you know of my grace and my mercies that rescued you from hell. Amen. How can you remain silent? Don't make the rocks cry out. Speak now with no fear. God is able. He is the answer. You have a light, and this world is in darkness. Show forth that light. Show it now. Watch the darkness flee. I have great news. Things are tough. But God is making overcomers. God is going to come back for overcomers. The faithful and true priest riding on her white horse is looking for the faithful and the true priest that he's raising up in this earth, in this last days. And he he has empowered you. And he will demonstrate his power if you will but speak his word. Amen. Amen. Listen to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for that word. Thank you, Father, for that strong word of encouragement, Father. It is good news, and we receive it, Jesus. Now strengthen us as we go. Strengthen us, Father, as we sing, as we worship, as we pray, as we live. Father, give us the fullness of who you are. And help us to be free, to be me, and to be Christians, Lord, to be a lighthouse into this world. In Jesus' name.